Well, across all the years that I have been blessed to go to school, yes, Andrew, there are many of them that await you. The countdown's going to be long before you're done. I've had the chance to experience many, many classes and many sessions in each class, at whatever level, be it 10 sessions a class or an undergrad, 30, 40, who knows how many per semester when I was in high school. But there are a couple sessions amongst all my education that stand out. One of them happened to be, of all things, an undergrad theater class. We had an assignment. It was one that we only did in class, but you'd get a partner and you'd blindfold them. You know, anytime there's a class session that involves a blindfold, you know it's going to be memorable. And it was your partner's, it was your job with a blindfolded partner to lead them around the building. And so long as it was indoors, it was fair game. Let me tell you, when you're blindfolded, even walking down an empty hallway is disconcerting. As you're just kind of like, what's in front of me? What's in front of me? It's a floor and a lot of open space. Still, and you're, you're doing this even though maybe you trust your partner. And that would just be an open hallway. God forbid we went down an elevator. Or if you're really, if your partner was really brave or really mean, took you down a set of stairs. It'd throw you off. Even those simple things. That's why I can remember it, even that experience, even 25 years later, after being out of that class. And sometimes, though, that exercise was done in maybe 10 minutes, a long 10 minutes, but sometimes a day can work the same way. can feel the same way. When... Maybe even it's like you're not led by a friend who's, you know, holding your hand and walking you down an empty hallway blindfolded. But they're like, you know what, there's a slight little incline we're going to go down. And all of a sudden, whee, down you go, kapunk, 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 down the stairs. That was not one of the things that made this session memorable for me. I'm thankful for that. But expand that idea, that disconcerting sense to not just 10 minutes, but to days or weeks or months or, God forbid, even years. And which way is up feels like an impossible question. Like you're never going to find the answer to it. And today, we look at our story of a covenant that God makes with a man. His name happens to be Abram that leaves Abram in that kind of state of unbalance for 25 years. And he is a man past the age of the adventures that he's going to be going on. Just opening it up, you know, that whole idea of go, leave your country, leave your, kin, your father's house, all of that. We'll see. The adventures get even crazier. But that doesn't stop God from choosing Abram to write one epic story. Now, yes, you may know him, if you've been around the Bible block a few times, you may know him as Abraham. Yes, same guy, but 
We'll get there. We're going to keep him Abram for now. And let's review, though we read it a little bit, I'm just going to bring it up again because it's worth bringing up again. The first leg of the adventure that God sends Abraham, Abram on. In Genesis 1, 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Step one. Leave it all. Everything you know, say bye-bye. Where are you going? You'll find out. How would that be for a little disconcerting and unbalancing? It's on, it's on par with, all right, pack up the car, fill the tank, point west on the throughway, and hit the gas. I'll tell you when to stop. Now, if I'm going to be hitting, packing up the car, filling the tank, hitting the gas in the throughway, I want Google Maps to tell me where I'm going and when I'm going to get there. Otherwise, not doing it. And here's the thing. Go, leave everything you had and go, and I'll tell you when you get to the place that you're supposed to stop at. That's not even the hardest part of the plan to believe. Oh, it gets better. And it only takes another verse or two. I, the Lord says to Abram, I will make you of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God says, I will make a great nation out of you. Sounds great. So you hear Abram's 75 years old when he hears this. And his wife, Sarai, has pretty much given up that she's ever going to have kids. Later on, God goes on a little stroll with Abram, takes him out to a dark field. He says, look up in the sky. Count the stars if you even have a number that high. Your descendants are going to outnumber what you see up there in the celestial sphere. How does his wife respond? Who's right about the same age as she starts to probably hear this promise. She laughs at him. You've been into the sacramental wine again, haven't you, Abram? I don't know. I'd probably think the same thing. If the idea of having a great nation come from, descend from you, sounds like a tough idea at 75. To think it takes 25 years to actually see it start to come to fruition. God's got him in this holding pattern. I will, I will, I will, I will for 25 years. God didn't just declare you're going to have descendants more than the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore and all of a sudden, poof! Sarah's pregnant. 
Now, God has that tool in his toolbox. He's going to do that with Mary a few hundred years later. We'll get to that in a few weeks. Hit the countdown for that one. But Abram waits over a decade for any part of the promise to start to come true. So Abram, being the wise guy that he is, I mean that in a nice way, thinks maybe we got to help out the cause a little bit here. Maybe God needs us to um, call a little audible to make this thing work out. Because, hey, I'm 75, my wife is 75, this, you know, she's already given up on the kids thing. So they start to work their own plan in. And the story takes a little twist in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. We get that. But she had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, You see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, so go into my slave girl and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now normally I might say, props Abram, you listen to your wife. Smart man. That's why i got to give him some points on being wise. This time, I'm not so sure. Yes, they take matters into their own hands. And Hagar, Sarai's slave girl, bears him a son, Ishmael. And though there's the the end result, yes, there's a son, there's a descendant of sorts, the plan doesn't go quite as they would have hoped, and I'm certain didn't go as God had hoped, because Hagar was successful where Sarai fell short. Sarai starts despising her slave girl, kicks her out, turns that animosity back to Abram. Things are rough in the household. As though caring for a newborn at 80 isn't tough enough, Abram is reminded again of God's faithfulness in a vision. After these things, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Again, kind of the I will, I will, I will that God keeps promising that Abram's been hearing for at this point now 13 years. He waited a decade and he's like, all right, you know what? We're going to write our version of this plan in. We're going to use Hagar instead of Sarai. And God's still making promises. But, you know what, I'd have probably responded, if I'd have waited that long, just like Abram does. And the very next verse, after hearing that you will be my shield, he's like, but Abram said, oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You promised the great nation... I'm thankful to be alive. I don't even need the great nation, but all of my great nation is going to get inherited by some no-name right at Damascus. You can almost hear just the exasperation in his voice. Come on, God. 
What's this? I will, I will, I will. When are we going to get to I have? You ever feel like that when comparing what God says with what the world shows? You pray, or maybe you hear what, um, what Solomon writes in Proverbs 22. And he says, this, uh, this verse, train your children in the right way, and when old they will not stray. You know, like 30 years later, you're still waiting for them to kind of come around. It's like, come on, all right, I, I train them best I can. When's the fruit going to come? Or you hear that the Jesus who lives in our hearts has this track record throughout four Gospels of healing people and healing ailments and pulling off miracles on bodies. And it's like your body is just racking up ailments like this biological landfill. It's like, come on. I know I've certainly had those kinds of questions. More of them than I'm probably willing to admit in front of anybody who's willing to hear me. But here's the thing. God hasn't forgotten Abram. Same as he doesn't forget us. We see as the story continues. This all started, Abram was about 75. Now he's progressed 25 years. He's about to hit Liz Burkroft's age. Coming up on the big three digits. In Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. He's hearing it yet again. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make, great na- I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan for a perpetual holding, and I will be their God. It drives home the promise. You will be an ancestor. You'll be the front runner. You will be the father of many nations. Again, I will, I will, I will, I will. Now he finally offers them a consistent reminder of God's faithfulness and promise. And he does it after 25 years. He gives them that reminder that he's going to hear 20 times a day. Out of 17, verse 17 and 5. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. So how do these two parts work together? How does this extra couple of letters on his signature 
filled with the idea of constantly being reminded of God's faithful promise. Well, anytime there's a couple of them, anytime God changes somebody's name, something big happens. And we look at his, his original name, Abram. It means exalted father. Here's the thing. It looks back to his dad, to Terah. Man, his father's house, he left 25 years ago. But now he's not named Abram, exalted father, looking back. But he's named Abraham. Which is phonetically very close to the Hebrew word for multitude of, na- uh, multitude of nations. And starts to look forward from him. So that he's the ancestor of those who are going to come after. And every time he heard the name, he was reminded. Abraham, what do you think of this passage? In the temple, reminded. Abraham, teach me about, insert XYZ, reminded. Abraham, you want salsa or sour cream with your dinner? Reminded. I told you, Andrew, salsa and sour cream was making it into this one. I warned you. Until the day, Sarah. Yes, she was Sarai. Now she is Sarah. She has her name changed, too. A little bit later on, Genesis 17. Until Sarah bore him a son of their own, Isaac. And Isaac, as he's growing up, and Abraham is changing diapers at 101 years old. I thought it was bad with Ishmael, man. It's got to be real bad with Isaac. Isaac calls him Abba, calls him Father. So where would the covenant promise lead? Those 25 years of I will, I will, I will, I will. Well, at some point God's going to say, I am. Why is it so important for Abraham to become the father, to become a father, even in his old age, even as he's crossing into the triple digits? Oh, here's the part we've been waiting for. Because so often we get to Advent, and there's about 18 verses that start off Matthew's Gospel that we just go, yep, can't pronounce any of that, skipping over it. Going on to verse 19 to the stuff that actually works in English. Well, we're going to... God doesn't waste ink when he writes Scripture. So we're going to go right to the start of that. And we're going to see how all these 25 years of I wills, I wills, I wills, what they start to add up to. When we see in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, I love this part. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The descendant of Abraham. The descendants of that covenant promise. Of God constantly saying, I haven't forgotten about you, Abraham. I know it's been 24 years. I haven't forgotten you. I still will. I still will. I still will. Till the day they have Isaac. 
and enough kids to outnumber the stars. And it leads, ultimately, to Jesus, the Christ. Through that very descendant, that God wrote that story from way back, I don't even know how many hundreds of years before the first Christmas. He knew how that lineage was going to work, how that path was going to follow. Down all those names we can't pronounce, and we just skip over them and get on to verse 19 until it was going to get to a little baby in a manger. We're going to have displayed right about there in about two months. Start your countdown. And it's because God knew all of that that we get to Paul. A little bit later on, when he writes to the church of Galatia, writes in, in Galatians 3, For in Jesus Christ you are all children of God through faith. You are all descendants of, oh my goodness, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs, according to the promise. But God kept saying to Abraham, even though he didn't see it, even though he's like, I, don't, I know we haven't figured out a lot of how biology happens, but usually by about 75, this kid thing is sort of off limits. Hundreds of years of I wills, the promise has come full circle. God didn't let go. God didn't let go of Abraham. God doesn't let go today. So where's the place in your story that you're afraid God won't come through? Where's the prayer that you've all but given up on praying anymore, saying God's, God's not answering? I've been praying this prayer for 24 years. I'm exasperated. I'm tired of praying it. I got no more words left. And I hear God saying, I will, I will, I will, and like a broken record, and I can't believe it anymore. Well, try this week bringing it back. Because it was for 24 years, Abram had been hearing, and Abram had been praying, and Abram had been hoping. It wasn't until the 25th year that now Sarah says, hey, Abram, Time to hit the registry. We need diapers. We can trust that same God who kept bringing the promise back around to Abraham. I will. I will. I will. You will be a father of many nations. Look up in the sky every night, Abram. Look on the beach every day, Abram. Count the count the kernel the sand grains, count the stars. Guess what? Not enough number for the descendants that are going to come from God kept that promise. All the way to the Galatians 3 where we today are heirs of that promise that God made to Abraham. He stayed faithful to him. He kept his promise to his beloved and he keeps his promise to us. Let's pray together. Lord, sometimes it is so hard to hold on to your promises, to believe words that even sound miraculous. 
of what you will do, what you have written, what you call us to do. Yet when we look back at how you work with those you have called, we see, even if it's not on our timetable, you are at work and you have a story that we couldn't come up with if we tried. And you allow us to be a part of it. So help us to hang on even just one more week to your promises, to your words, that we might get to see see those promises come to fruition. All this we pray in your name. Amen.